0: Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, May the 3rd in the year of our Lord 2019. What's Open Mic Friday? It provides you an opportunity to phone in with any theological question on your mind, and I'll attempt to answer it. I can't promise I'm going to answer it for two reasons. There may be an answer in the Bible, and I don't know where it is. Or number two, it's quite possible that there is no answer because God is a hidden God a lot of times. 80% of God is hidden, if not 90%. And what I mean by that is he simply doesn't give answers to many of our questions, but anything we need to know for salvation is found in Holy Scripture. So what are the phone numbers to phone in? If you're in St. Louis, you can just simply dial 8 Two one zero eight fifty, and if you're anywhere else in North America, one 2727 now that may only be for the United States as I'm thinking about it, because some folks in Canada are unable to phone in on that number, so one eight hundred seven three oh two seven. Two seven, and we have talked about a number of items during this week. Uh, we had, of course, the hymn for this coming Sunday. Then we talked about a Bible study that we did, and that was about the dead bones in Ezekiel thirty-seven. And then we've also got some items from yesterday with Wes Reinitz. So, anything on your mind at all? don't hesitate to call in and we're going to just start right off then. Is this Jeremiah? Hello? Well, this is Herman. Oh, Herman, I'm sorry, I'm misreading your name up there. Okay.
1: Uh, yes, I appreciate that you've made a point uh, frequently to focus on uh, why young people are leaving the church over what they see as a dissatisfaction with Christian morality, but Yet they're missing the Gospel of jesus christ uh <clears throat> and uh, uh trying to uh promote the world's way of living, especially on these sex issues which right now the country's in the middle of a massive sex- tra- sexually transmitted disease epidemic uh and it, it's it's uh, uh sort of a uh, strange they'd want to go into a thing like that but Uh, It's important, I think, that uh, you keep focused on what are the theological issues in this.
0: Yes, in fact, I'm preparing a uh, sermon and a Bible study. There's a uh, song, well, you'll know who the singer is. She talks about the material world she is. And I'm coming to the conclusion that that's really what's going on in this disruption in the Christian church. People are more material than they are spiritual. And the material views that they're coming up with, of course, are coming from their own opinions rather than from the Word of God. Indeed,
1: indeed. Uh, And that becomes the pivot in a sense that is driving this.
0: Yes, and one of the things I did last week, I had a sermon here at the International Center, I was making the point that though the gospel is the only means of grace that the Holy Spirit works through to convert people, He still uses the law to bring terror into their hearts so that they are aware of the need for a Savior. And the reason I did that is I wanted to make it clear that when we give the gospel, you simply say the promises of God connected to his death and resurrection, and then you can sit back and let the Holy Spirit take over. A lot of people don't feel that way about the law. They think that when we give the law, we've got to give all kinds of rational reasons why the law is proper, etc. And I disagree with that we simply speak the law and let again God take over and use the law to create contrition, repentance in a person and so that they are ready like John the baptizer was doing for to hear the message of the gospel.
1: Uh, Indeed, well it's certainly a timely and important issue and I appreciate that uh, you have uh, repeatedly kept focused on
0: it. Well, thank you very much for calling. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Anybody else may call. The numbers are here in St. Louis, 821-0850. Anywhere in North America, I'm sorry, United States, <laughs> I keep saying North America, 1-800-730-2727. I mean, how many times have you been reading the Bible or maybe a devotional and a question comes to mind and of course you don't feel, oh, I can't phone my pastor, he's so busy. Although I was uh, meeting with some folks recently and uh, one of the things that really turned them off uh, from the church was they had a pastor and the husband had gone in for some kind of surgery and the pastor was alerted to that, and he told him that he was too busy to visit. <laughs> I can't believe that, that a pastor is too busy to visit. Uh, yesterday, at one of the four congregations I'm serving right now part time as an interim pastor, one of the members of the congregation spoke to me about three weeks ago and said, you know, there's an individual who's never been to church, but he, because of the material I've been giving him, etc., he would like to be baptized. So I handed him a baptismal sheet, and I said, you know, work that out and see if we can come to the place where he's at, it was a nursing home, and baptize him. And the individual said, well, I'll see about it. Well, the next Sunday, the man had agreed to be baptized. So the only day that we could do it this last week was Thursday. I did have an opportunity to see my grandson confirmed, but it was in the evening, and I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to get back from this trip. It was about a 300-mile round trip. But I felt very strongly that here was a man to be baptized. And so what I did is I drove to the congregation. And when I got there, (laughs) about just that morning, the man had been taken to the hospital. And so I was trying to figure out, now, why would God have me come all this distance, possibly miss my grandson's confirmation? And then we got a call that... He had left the hospital and had been returned to the nursing home. So I with some folks from the congregation went to the nursing home, and we had a wonderful baptism. Yes, an actual baptism in the nursing home of a man who had never been to church. Of course, I explained to him what baptism was. It's a means by which God transfers the the benefits of what Christ has won for us on the cross, uh, the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, transfers those benefits over to us. It's a means of grace. And he was really happy. In fact, we were talking later about him that none of us had seen somebody so anxious to be baptized who had never attended church before. And he's now a member of the church, a baptized member, and indicated that if he was able to get out of the nursing home, he'd be glad to come to a worship service. That's how God works. Uh, at that same uh, day, one of the reasons I had gone was an individual had had a heart attack. Now, he wasn't Lutheran, but he was a, a relative of one of our members. And so I was planning on seeing him, and two hours before I arrived, he fell asleep in Jesus. Now, relatives of his attend the Presbyterian Church, and that's who's gonna be doing, I understand, the the funeral. But uh, isn't that something, just two hours? but it appears he did have faith because he was willing to meet with me, etc. The fact of the matter is, is these are the things that we pastors are involved with. And if I had said, well, I'm sorry, I don't have time. (laughs) No, I often had asked pastors, what one thing would you do different throughout your pastorate? And almost all of them would say something along these lines, I would spend more time with my family. A lot of times the pastor is gone in the evening, the kids are home from school, he doesn't get to see them. And when I heard that, uh, we live in St. Louis, but on Sundays the stores were closed at that time. And so we would go to Illinois every Friday night. That was the thing I and my wife decided to do with our kids. And we go to Illinois to the shopping centers there that were open, maybe go to a McDonald's, take a look at clothes for the kids, et cetera. We had a, a wonderful time. And yet, if something happened at church to a member, let's say a car accident or something, then that became a priority rather than being with the family on Friday night. And a lot of times we could do it on Sunday also. But the fact of the matter is, is, Uh, A pastor, when he has a call or a semi-call or is asked to help out, can you remember Jesus saying, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that? Now, there's no doubt there is an occasion in the Bible where people are looking for Jesus, and he goes up into the mountain to pray. So there's no doubt that Jesus himself took time to have a communication with his father, God the Father. And uh, he even says that I haven't come just to heal, but also to preach, and there were many other cities that he was preaching at. That's why his ministry was three years uh, before his crucifixion. Had he been born uh, one year, and then at 12 years old, having that discussion with the doctors in the uh, temple that had he been crucified then, nobody would have really heard his message. His ministry didn't really begin until the baptism of John the baptizer. And John the baptizer says, boy, I need to be baptized by you, not vice versa. And Jesus says, no, in order to fulfill all righteousness, in other words, in order to keep what God the Father has planned from before the creation of the world. I need to be baptized. I need to become, in God's eyes, a sinner in order that I might die for sinners. So all of this kind of fits together. Uh, Last week, remember, I always like starting a sermon with a question. And I spend quite a bit of time in developing a question for the purpose of hoping that most in the congregation will have a wrong answer. And last week's question was an interesting one. And by the way, if anybody wants to call eight two one zero eight fifty or one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. 730 2727 Well, the question I had last Sunday was, if you see Jesus and God the Father do they look the same? And, of course, nobody thought they did. Because, first of all, Jesus is a human being. He looks like a man. God the Father is a spirit. So I could understand that answer. But then the readings for that day were quite interesting. The one reading was from Revelation chapter 1. And... It was a vision that John, the apostle, had on the island of Patmos, and in the vision he saw an individual clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And so I asked the question, okay, who is this? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And of course, most people thought it was the Father. But then we went to Daniel 7, where the Ancient of Days looks exactly like this person. And that was God the Father. But in Daniel 7, he sends the Son of Man to earth. And in this vision... The Son of Man is mentioned as looking like God the Father. And so the whole point of the sermon was, do you want to know how God the Father thinks about you? Think how Jesus thinks about you, because I and the Father are one. If you see me, you've seen the Father. They're identical in their thinking. All right, let's go back to the phone lines now and talk. Is this Rick? Yes go ahead rick
1: yes i had a question earlier in the week you were talking about the fact that god produces repentance i'm trying to fully resolve that with peter's um uh, ser- sermon uh, at pentecost where he first says repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sin and then you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit it seems as though that the holy spirit produces the faith that produces repentance but chronologically it seems like by his sermon Uh, they
0: talked about repentance first. Could you comment on that, please? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, What you're quoting is Acts chapter 2. That's the Sermon of Pentecost. And you'll notice that just before Peter says what he says, uh, the people there, after he's told them that they have killed the Messiah, they say, what can we do? And then what Peter says, and what we're looking at here is the um, verse 38 of chapter 2 he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ now the english isn't that clear but be baptized is not an active form of the verb it's a passive form of the verb in other words he doesn't say, you baptize yourself. No, he says, be baptized. And therefore, I consider the word repent to be, this is how you repent. You be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll receive two gifts, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will see the, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what moved them to repent was not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ is Jesus whom you crucified. And then verse 37. See, that's, that's kind of law. And look at their reaction when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And what does that mean? They were really disturbed over what Peter had said they had done. And so what shall we do? And Peter says to them, the same thing that Jesus says in Mark when he begins his ministry, his ministry is one of the repentance and believing the gospel. And that's exactly what Peter says here. Repent and truly, therefore, be baptized, which is the work of God. It's not something we do. And you'll receive the two gifts of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I truly believe that a normal unbeliever is unable to repent properly until the Holy Spirit works in him proper repentance. The two examples I would give are Peter who denied Jesus three times and Judas who betrayed him. Unfortunately, the King James Version gives the idea that they both repented, but the word for Peter is a different word. It's metanoia, which is a proper word for spiritual repentance. Judas, he was just feeling bad about the consequences of what he had done. He wasn't truly repentant the way Peter was. So there's two examples. And how did Peter become repentant? He was standing, watching the trial, and it says that Jesus looked at him. And you can only imagine, oh "Oh boy, what have I done? And he wept bitterly and then he was forgiven. Remember that night, uh, Jesus appears, peace be with you, and he says that including to Peter. Is that helpful?
1: Yes, thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much for calling. Blessings. You too. And um, I'm Tom Baker, I really appreciate these calls. I'm not sure we're gonna have time for another one, but uh, at any rate, What we're doing here is trying to answer questions, but not on the basis of my opinions. If I cannot give Bible verses to back up what I'm saying, then don't listen to me. Turn the station. I'm a false teacher. I've said that many a time. If I say something you don't agree with, call me up. Now, by the way, I do get quite a few emails. I do not respond to emails with emails. What? Then so why should we send you emails? What I want you to do, anytime you send me an email to lawandgospel at com, I want you to put down your phone number. Because I do phone people back to talk about their questions. I have found that sometimes I can spend 15, 20 minutes on an email trying to respond to it. And the person says, well, that was a a wonderful answer, but it's not what I was asking. So I prefer to talk on the telephone with people. So please continue to send me your emails, but do me a favor and put down your phone number. Because I do not really want to respond with an email because... A lot of times when you ask a question, I've got some questions about your question, and so we could go on for a year writing emails back and forth until we get the proper understanding of your question, whereas I have found, and sometimes I'm on the line or on the phone for about half an hour, but I don't mind that at all if we can be answering your questions. In fact, I really had some good news recently. One of the individuals we've been talking to, uh, he's actually a listener from Ohio, uh, just gave me a phone call not long ago and reported that he has now become a student at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in order to become a pastor. And I have been encouraging him because he really has a good sense, even now, of the distinctions between law and gospel. And therefore he still, like I, have much to learn. But you ought to be contacting uh, either the seminary in St. Louis or the one in Fort Wayne uh, to see what kind of opportunities there are. We do need pastors, that's why I'm taking care of four congregations right now, because there are not sufficient pastors uh, to be helping out even on a part-time level. A lot of pastors when they retire, they wanna retire. <laughs> and so I don't mind, I to the one congregation is about a 400 mile round trip every Sunday, uh, two congregations there, and then midweek I'm with uh, two congregations and that's about a 300 mile round trip. But I love driving because I'm listening to CDs of the Bible, I have a Sirius XM radio, I like listening, uh, they have a symphony station, they've got other music stations, they have a comedy station, so it's really kinda of a lot of fun in, in doing the driving, and I'm very relaxed uh, when I drive, listening, learning things, it makes a trip really fast. So don't hesitate to email me at longgospel at longgospel101.com. And I'll be glad to particularly phone you back. So make sure if you're asking a question you need an answer to, uh, to put down your phone number. Because that's my favorite way of responding uh, to individuals. On um, Monday, which is the next broadcast of Law and Gospel, it's known the... Sunday after that as Good Shepherd Sunday. And that's where Jesus is the shepherd, we are the sheep. There are, again, a number of good readings there, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to be taking a look at. I have to do a little bit more study on that. But that's what we'll be doing, is concentrating on how Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are the sheep. I'm Tom Baker. Till Monday, God bless.